Amen. Amen. Hey, you can be seated. Thank you for being here today. Thank you, worship team. Wow, what a great time of worship this morning. Wasn't that great? Hey, I want to remind you, um, tonight is Soak. Uh, and if you're not familiar with Soak, once a month we do a prayer and worship service. Um, the third Sunday night of every month happens to be tonight. But as we prayed this week with our staff, we just felt a special, um, a special emphasis, a special desire uh, to have a, a unique prayer time at Soak tonight, and I, I want to I tell you about it, and I want to invite you. Um, we want to have a special time of prayer during Soak for, um, for parents who have children who've just started school and for students. So for, you know, elementary school, middle school, high school, college, if you're a student that's, that's just started school, we want to have a special time of prayer for you. If you're a mom or dad, uh, parents of kids, we want to pray for you. And then we also want to pray for uh, faculty. So teachers, administrators, um, if, if you're an employee bus driver, uh, 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 housekeeping, a school nurse, whatever. If you're an employee of a local school, we want to have a special time of prayer for you because we realize that kids... And moms and dads are sending kids off, and employees are going off into an unchristian system. And we want to pray for you that God's going to uh, order your steps, He's going to give you favor, that He's going to put a hedge of protection around our, our families and kids. So if you, um, if, if you can, I, I really encourage you to join us tonight. We want to have a special time of prayer uh, over our schools and over the believers who are entering into those systems either uh, to receive an education or to, to, uh, for employment purposes. So I want to ask you to join us uh, for that tonight. It's going to be a really powerful time. Hey, how many of you, um, speaking of schools, remember the name? might take a minute, but you remember the name of your kindergarten teacher. How many of you, how many of you remember your name? Now, some, some of you, uh, maybe some of you didn't have, did everybody have kindergarten? I don't know what year that started. Everybody didn't have kindergarten, but almost most of you remember the name of your kindergarten teacher you had a kindergarten. How many of you remember the person who taught you how to ride a bike? You remember? Yeah? Hopefully they were patient. You know, I don't know. Maybe that's why you're still scarred today. Um, how many of you remember the person who first invited you, uh, or, or maybe you were a child and it was your parent, or brought you to church? You, you remember them? Yeah? A lot. How, how many of you remember the person that prayed with you to become a Christian? I mean, if, if, if you are a believer, how many of you remember that? You remember that who that person is? Like most people. Okay. How many of you remember your first pastor? Yes? How, how many of you, I'm your first pastor? Anybody? Yes? A few? All right. Nothing but love for you. All right. Good. I, I just wanted to, to, to joggle your memory this morning a little bit because I wanted you to remember the people who've made a big impact on your life. All these people have taught you something or have deposited something in you or have brought you, brought you to Jesus where the real difference is made. Uh, and, the, and, and, and God... God not only used them to make a difference, God wants to use you to make a difference. 
He wants to use me, and he wants to use you. And this is what it means to be Jesus strong. That's what we've been talking about in this series. So the, the passage in the Bible, Ephesians 4.13, is where we get the background for this series. Uh, if you've been here the first week or two, you'll recognize this. Until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure, that little phrase, the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So God has a plan for your life. And it is to fill your life with the life of Jesus. And and we're just calling that in this series, Jesus Strong. God wants you and I to grow and to become like Jesus. It's his plan for everybody. So how does he do that? Well, in this series, we've been talking about that. The first week, we talked about strong in community. Last week, we talked about strong in God. Today, I want to talk to you about strong in impact. Now, would it be fair to say that Jesus made an impact. Would, would anybody disagree with that? I mean, you know, I don't think atheists would disagree with that. Jesus undeniably, historically, factually made an impact. And the Bible tells us kind of what that impact looks like. The Bible says that Jesus came to seek and save the lost, that he came not to be served but to serve. He came to set the captive free. Now, what a, what a life of purpose What a life of impact. If Jesus made an impact, now let's connect the dots, and God wants you to be Jesus strong, doesn't that mean that God wants you to make an impact? Right? If Jesus made an impact and God wants you to be like Jesus, then God wants you and I to make an impact. So so how's that going? Are you making an impact? How much of an impact are you making? God gives us a vision of what that impact looks like. In Ephesians 4, just a few verses down from where we read, verse 15, instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow, see that, to become in every respect In every respect, in every category, in every area, the mature body of him who is the head. Jesus is the head. We just celebrated. That is Christ. Look at verse 16. From Christ, from him, the whole body, the whole church, is joined and held together by every supporting ligament, and it grows, here it goes again, and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So God has a vision for the church, and that it is that the church would be filled with passionate people who are driven by purpose. God's vision is that the church would be growing and building itself up in love, and he even gave us the formula on how that might happen. It's the last sentence. As each part does its work. When you take the gifts that God has given you and build the church up, everyone benefits. You benefit because you get stronger. The church benefits because each person is bringing their gift to the church and making the church stronger. Shelby County benefits because a strong church can radically impact a community. So everybody benefits. You were made for impact. You were built 
to make a difference. And every one of us this morning has one thing in common. We desperately want to know the purpose for our life. I've never met anybody that doesn't want to know the purpose of their life. Everybody wants to know their purpose. If you lack passion, I can tell you why. It's because you don't know your purpose. The most passionate people I've ever known are the people that know the purpose for their life and they're living in it. The most passionless people I've ever known are the people who have no idea what their purpose is and when you have no idea what your purpose is, anything will do. You just fill your life with whatever. There's no greater fulfillment in life than making a difference in someone else's life. A few months ago, we were at Beach Freak, our, our youth camp, and I was coming across, uh, we had had a, a, a prayer time at the beach, and I was walking across uh, on my way back, and I ran into one of our teenage girls, and I said, hey, how, you know, how's it going? How's your week going? And uh, she'd only been a Christian for six months, and she said, you'll never believe what happened. She had brought a friend with her to our, to our camp that was... I don't, I don't know if her friend had ever been to church. Like, totally, no concept. Not raised in a Christian home, nothing. And she said, um, during worship one night, I looked over, and my, my friend was singing and crying. And she looked at me, and she said, I can't believe that God used me to touch my friend's life. And I looked at her, and I said, is there anything better than that? And she said, no, no, there's nothing better than that. And if you've ever had God use you to touch another person's life, you know that's as good as life on earth is ever going to get right there. Right? So let's talk. If you have something to write with, how do you Make a difference. I'm going to give you three thoughts this morning. Number one, focus on your strengths. And I can't, I can't say this enough. Have you noticed we have this habit of focusing on our weaknesses? Generally, when you go to a self-help section of a bookstore, you're going to find that aisle littered with five steps on how to overcome whatever the most current weakness is that we of a society have found, <laughs> right? Five ways to, you know, stop eating too much or five ways to do this or five ways to do that. It's all about overcoming your weakness. We are obsessed with our weaknesses. We hide them. We protect them. We try improving them. We try to fix them. Did you know it takes seven positive comments to overcome one negative comment? Did you know that? I, I'll give you an example. If you, uh, guys, if you and your wife go to a, a dinner where there are a lot of people there and she gets five compliments on the dress she wore, some of you know where I'm going, and one negative comment, which one do you think you're going to talk about when you get home? Right? Why is that? Because we tend to default toward weakness. Uh, several years ago, we're, you know, we're getting ready for our all-church picnic in a few weeks. 
about four or five years ago, we were at our, our picnic, and it was, it was fantastic. It was going great. We had 15 or 20 people who prayed to receive Jesus that morning. We had um, a lot of guests everywhere. People were connecting and getting to know each other and having fun, and the weather was great. And I walked right out the door on my way to the picnic, and, and somebody grabbed me and made the most um, uh, raw, backhanded, negative comments. And when I went home later that day, what do you think I thought about? I was drowning in good news. But I found those comments continued to resurface again and again. Why? We seem to naturally default toward the negative. That's why bad news travels faster than good news. Why? why? Have you ever asked, why is it that seven, it takes seven positive comments to overcome one negative? I don't think that's fair. I don't think that's the way life should be. I want it to be one-to-one. You have a bad one, you just throw a good one on it. It's gone. Why does it take seven? You, you, you ever notice it takes, it takes longer to lose weight than to gain weight? That's not fair. Like I can work my, my, my brains out for a month to lose four pounds. I can gain that back in a weekend. Why? Why does it take... That's not fair. I don't think that's the way the world should be. But listen, we live in a broken world that defaults toward the negative. We live in a culture where people are being torn down every day, primarily focusing on their weaknesses. You turn on talk radio, what are you going to hear a lot of? What this one said wrong and this one did wrong and politics. You say one thing wrong and it will gather airtime for a month and be cross-analyzed and criticized and you will become the devil. And unfortunately, too many times, some of us have been raised in families where we've, our weaknesses have just been hammered again and again and again and again. Maybe because even a well-meaning parent had strengths where we had weakness and they couldn't understand and they just beat down that weakness. I won't even go on social media and read comment threads anymore because you, you misspell something and they'll, they'll kill you. They'll blow you up. You don't, you, you know, you're uneducated, whatever. And some of you students, some of you elementary and middle and high school students, you if, you, if, if the truth were known, you live in fear because every day when you walk on the campus, you can't afford to let one of your weaknesses show because you know there's somebody on that campus, if they find it, they will pound on it because it makes them look better and you look worse. And that's the truth. Gallup surveyed more than 10 million people worldwide. And they found that only one-third said, at work I have the opportunity to do what I do best every day. So 66% of the people that you work with are working mostly out of their weaknesses, not in their strengths. And and two-thirds of us probably are. Now, this matters because God has given you strengths in order for you to make an impact. And if you live out of your weaknesses and focus on overcoming your weaknesses, you're going to miss the best impact you can make. Most of us in our society have it backwards. We tear down and we focus on weakness. This is why God's vision for the church is so revolutionary. It is to build one another up and focus on strengths. 
Imagine how different our society would be if we just focused on each other's strengths and built each other up. Hey, imagine how different your marriage might be if you focused on your spouse's strength and just built them up and encouraged them. In Scripture, you see this. God called Moses. And Moses, what did he say? Uh, If you know the story, God, I can't go and help. I don't speak well. I stutter. You got the wrong guy. But when Moses looked at his weakness, God looked inside his heart and saw the potential of a great leader, and he raised him up in his strength. Abraham wasn't even a Jew. He was a foreigner. And God sent him as the father of many nations inside the Jewish culture. Esther was a, 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 little, a, young, a young girl who was, who was captive. And she says to her uncle, how could I even? He says, who knows, maybe God has brought you about for such a time as this. And certainly he had. And God saw the restorer of a nation and that little girl's heart. Mary, the mother of Jesus, was a little nobody from a little nowhere, a Bethlehem, a little town that nobody important ever came from. And she was probably 13 or 14 years old. And God looked inside her heart and he saw her potential. And he raised her up as the mother of Jesus. See, God looks at potential. We look at weakness. We look at what's wrong. We look at what we can criticize. We look at what we're not good at. God looks at potential. Romans 12, 2 says this, Do not conform to the pattern of this world. The pattern of this world is to attack weakness and to tear down. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. What is God's will? That you become Jesus strong. That you be built up and you build others up. And you're not going to do that out of your weakness. You're going to do that out of your strength. To focus on strengths, though, it takes a transformation of the mind. Because our default setting is to our weakness and everyone else's weakness. But your impact's not going to come from there. So, first thought, focus on your strengths. And focus on the strengths of those around you and call out of them the potential that God has put in them. Number two, find your spiritual gifts. One of the most incredible strengths God has given you are these things called spiritual gifts. And too often these gifts are are neglected, ignored, undiscovered, undeveloped, or just wasted. Now, I want to encourage you to find your spiritual gifts. And if you are a Christian, the Bible teaches that regardless of how untalented or average or normal you feel, every Christian has at least one spiritual gift. Probably you have more. So if you aren't totally sure what a spiritual gift is, because that could sound kind of mystical or or strange, let me give you just a, a basic definition, okay? A spiritual gift is a God-given ability to be good at something that will impact your church, your community, or the world for Jesus. That's what what a spiritual gift is. So in Romans 12 uh, that we just read from a minute ago, be transformed from them by new way of thinking, there's a list of spiritual gifts. It's not all the spiritual gifts, but it's some of the spiritual gifts, and, and they're very practical things. Did you know hospitality is a spiritual gift? 
There are people who are, who are given a supernatural ability by God to be hospitable. Thank God, <laughs> right? Administration. Serving is a spiritual gift. There are people, man, that can just fill the gap in and make things happen and work behind the scenes. And they are supernaturally empowered by God with a gift to do it. And they're better at it than the rest of us. <laughs> Giving is a supernatural gift. Prophecy is a spiritual gift. Encouragement. Thank God for those people that you know who've just been gifted by God to walk around and encourage everybody. Man, how needed that gift is today. Leadership, mercy, teaching, faith, people that are supernaturally endowed by God to just believe God. Isn't that great? That's inspiring. Thank God for that gift. If you've never, if you've never been in a spot where you needed somebody who had faith, you might not connect with that. But man, if you have and somebody's come along and spoken a word of faith to you, and the right time, it's important. God gives his power to each of us in the form of gifts so we can make an impact. These gifts that God has given you have been given to you by his grace. Romans 12, 6, same chapter. We have different gifts according to the grace. Grace. So what does that mean? You can't earn spiritual gifts. God doesn't look at really talented people. That's the way it feels sometimes. God looks at really talented people and goes, they're awesome. Let me give them, you know, these gifts. Meanwhile, the rest of us are over there just watching. So, so you can't earn it, and you also don't deserve them. That's what grace means. You're getting something you don't deserve. So God doesn't look at people that just pray a lot or are super spiritual or, or Paul the Apostle and say, oh, look how good you did. You prayed longer than everybody else. Let me give you these gifts. And the rest of the schleps, when they start praying, you know, we'll give them something. That's not the way this works. I got news for you. I got a news flash for you. You don't even have to be that spiritual to have a spiritual gift. All you got to be is saved. All you got to be is a Christian. <laughs> By God's design, you have the exact gifts that God has given you. And the key to making a difference lies in your spiritual gifts. That's why it's important that you find them. So let's just talk for a few minutes. Let me just give you some of the most practical thoughts I know on how do you find your spiritual gifts. Well, you can read about them. There's five places in, in the Bible that talk about spiritual gifts. You can, you can look there and read about them. You can Google it. If you Google it, 9.3 9 million articles are going to come up. So wear yourself out. There's a lot of information out there. Uh, you can also take a spiritual gifts assessment. I think that's helpful because it helps to kind of narrow down what area you're in. Uh, our church has a free one. You can go to our website, go to the uh, next steps, go to Start Serving. And you'll find, take a spiritual gift. It's free. You get immediate feedback. It'll be emailed to you, and you can kind of have a good starting point. Uh, another thing you can do is you could sign up for our Next Step classes. About six or eight times a year, we have two classes called Next Steps classes, and one of those classes zeroes in exactly on this topic. We take the spiritual gifts assessment that we have online for free. We have everybody take it. And then you have one of our pastors in the room with you helping you interpret what do these results mean. 
and how might they be applied somewhere? Another thing you can do is you can ask a mature Christian. Ask someone whose relationship with God you respect and say, what spiritual gifts do you see in me? And, and get ready because I guarantee you there's something the people around you see in you that you might not have seen in yourself yet. Uh, uh, here's one. Compare your strengths to your weaknesses. One of the reasons we have a hard time finding our strengths or our spiritual gifts is because we compare our strengths to other people's strengths. And if we're just now trying to find ours, theirs is probably better developed than ours is. That's why it's obvious to us. Or, or theirs might be applied or theirs might look different in their personality than it looks in our personality. So if I compare my gift to their gift, I may say, well, I don't have that gift because I don't do it like I never do it the way they do it. That doesn't mean you don't have that gift. Compare your strength to your weakness. To us, our strengths look neutral and our weaknesses look glaring. But if you'll compare your strength to your weakness, you'll begin to see that you have, you have something to offer that might be raw, it might be underdeveloped, it might not have been used much yet, but you, it's a way that you can find it. Uh, the last way I would say is just practice. The best way I know to find your gifts is, is try something. And your gifts will rise to the top and begin to color everything you do. A couple of weeks ago, I, one of my seats in my car was torn up and um, through a friend, I was connected to a, to a guy who could recover it. And he came over to recover it, and we were just, he was putting the seat back in the car. And we were talking, and I said, Hey, how did you get into this line of work? And he's just a straightforward kind of somebody. He said, God. I was like, Okay. Feel like we skipped a few steps somewhere, but all right. Man, I'm with you. I hear you. God, okay, period. That's it. Man, a few words. Man, a one word. But, but, but he began to talk, and he said, you know, he told me his story and how he'd grown up poor, and, and he was young, and it seemed when he was young, he almost coincidentally got into that field, and he said, man, I, he goes, most of those concert travel buses that you've seen around the country, he said, I, I have reupholstered uh, seats and worked on interiors of those for all, all the biggest bands just about in the entire country. He said, I've gotten to meet so many people through this occupation, and he said, I've gotten to share God with people that you would never even think would listen because of this gift that God gave me. And he said, I'm, I'm a greeter at my church, and I teach Sunday school. Um, and he said, I've had three or four young, young guys who've just fallen on hard times through my life who've, who've came and lived in our house for six months or a year, just tried to help them. And I thought, man, oh, man, oh, man, look at this guy. Look at this guy right here. He said, I tell my kids, you find what you love and you'll never work a day in your life. And God will take that gift and he will open the door for you to share with other people. You know, a, a few months ago or a few weeks ago, you guys uh, were kind enough. You, you, you gave our family a bunch of thank you cards. And um, I'm still, still reading through those. I, I appreciate those. One of those that I read just a week ago, I, I brought this morning because I thought it applied to this moment exactly. It says, um, you inspired me and motivated me to use my gifts to help others. 
I now have an opportunity to share God's word on stage. I pray each time that God uses me as a vessel for his goodness. In a sermon series, you encouraged everyone to find and use their spiritual gifts. Thank you for that. I'm so blessed to have been given the opportunity to grow with God at Kingwood. And she signed it, Soprano Praise Team. I love it. Isn't that awesome? You have a person who found their gift and is using it to impact all of us and build the church up and make it stronger. And, and knowing your spiritual gift, listen to this, helps you cooperate with God's power that is at work in your life. God's power, God gave you a portion of his power in the form of gift or gifts. And that power is trapped inside trying to find a way out. And if you don't give it expression, you'll never have the kind of impact that God designed you to have because that gift is sitting there doing nothing. So focus on your strengths. Find your spiritual gifts. Here's the last point. Fan your spiritual gifts. Now, now this requires a little explanation. I'm drawing this language from um, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6. For this reason I remind you, to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of hands. Fan into flame is a picture from a fire. If you've ever had an outdoor fire or something like that, you understand this. A fire takes so much more work than you would think. You know what I mean? You don't really sit back and watch it long because it's the tendency of fire to go out. So you get a good fire going, you get it stoked, and then in a little while you wait and it starts to die down. And what Paul is saying to Timothy in 2 Timothy here, he's saying, Timothy, the gifts of God that are in you are like a fire. And if you don't fan them, when they start to go out, they'll, they'll just cool off. They'll just die off. It might be there. A, a, evidence might be that it was there. A remnant might be there. But it'll just cool off and go to nothing. So he's telling Timothy, who was really Paul's protege, apprentice, and was in many ways taking Paul's place in, in some locations, he was saying, hey, fan that flame, fan that fire, fan that ember, because it'll go out if you don't. And, and so you know, the, uh, sort of the picture back in those days was fires were used for cooking. And so the idea was, every time I go to cook, I don't want to start a fire from scratch all over again. So what I'll do is I'll have the fire, I'll stoke it up, I'll cook or whatever, and then I'll just keep the fire lit well enough. So if the ember starts to die down, I'll fan it. They had these fans that they'd use and prop it back up and keep it hot enough so when it's time to cook again, I'll throw fresh wood on the fire and it'll ignite. And that's the picture that Paul's drawing from here. And so the verse is saying this, you're never going to get a big roaring fire by standing there and looking at your gift. Somebody has to pick up a fan and wave it until it heats up. So what this verse is telling us is, you have to fan your own gifts. I can't fan your gift. Paul never said to Timothy, Timothy, I fan the gifts that were put in you. He said, Timothy, you fan the gifts that were put in you. I can't fan your gifts. You can't fan my gifts. You have to practice with your gifts. You have to try to use your gifts. Nobody else can do it for you. 
So, so let's just kind of review for a minute. God has, played, has graced your life with incredible supernatural abilities. These abilities allow you to fulfill your God-given purpose and to make a huge difference. This, in turn, fills you with passion and fulfillment. And ultimately, it makes you and the church Jesus strong. So now give me the reasons that you wouldn't use the gifts that God put in you. Why wouldn't you use them? Why wouldn't you find them? If you don't find your gifts and use them, you will be a weak Christian and we will be a weak church. But God has given us a vision, and his vision is that we would be Jesus strong. The dream of God is that in a church like ours, we would be a roaring bonfire of spiritual gifts. That every Christian would use their gifts to strengthen the church and impact and redeem the world. If every one of us were to use the powerful spiritual gifts that God gave us, it would blow our minds what God would do. And the thing is, he's already given the gift. There's nothing else for God to do. He's already imparted the gift. He's already handed the gift. He's already put the gifts in every believer. So my question to you this morning is, what are you doing with your gifts? We want to help you and we want to build you up and we want to encourage you to focus on your strengths and not, not criticize or tear down your weaknesses. We want to help you find your gifts. We want everybody at Kingwood to reach their potential and we can do all of that and we're doing our best to do all of that. But at the end of the day, only you can fan the, the, the flame of the gifts that are inside you. When I was a... Um, Teenager, and I'd, I'd been saved you know, maybe a year, I don't remember, something like that, maybe a year and a half. And uh, I started to lead a, you know, I, I don't know how I got there, but I started to lead a Bible study my senior year. I had no training, you know. I went to a little small church all my life, and I knew some Bible stories, and I dropped out when I was 12, and now I was like 17. And it's my senior year, and I'm leading a Bible study. Uh, the last 10 minutes of our lunch period, every day, you know, some people are just too stupid for their own good. And once a month's not enough, once a week, no, no, every day in Jesus' name, we have to do it every day. You're going to heaven or hell now. Like, it's got to happen. The world's on fire. And so I, I let it every day, 10 minutes every day. Five days a week, my entire senior year. And you can't imagine how thrilled all the students were when uh, they were playing basketball in the gym. The principal would come out and say, okay, everybody put the ball down. It's time for devotion, you know. And most of the kids would go that way and just stare at us like, I can't believe you're ruining our lunch. And then a little pocket would go this way, and I'd stand there and give them their devotion. I don't remember how I got in the middle of all that, but I found myself in the middle of more things than I know how I got there. So I'm there. And my pastor from my church would come every day and hear the devotion. Every day. And one day he put his hand on my shoulder and he said, You know, I'm, I'm amazed. Um, I'm amazed at how somebody your age teaches the way you do. Well, I, I'd, I'd never thought about that and I'd never... Um, I'd never considered myself. I didn't like school. 
So teacher wasn't really in my, you know, ambition. And I'd never thought about that in any way, and I'd never had anybody say that. And as far as I could tell, I didn't have any gifts because everybody around me was, you know, I couldn't sing. I couldn't, there were people better at athletics than I was. I was one of the youngest in my neighborhood. I didn't, have, I didn't know that I had any gift. And when my pastor put his hand on my shoulder and said, I see the gift of God in you to teach. It did something powerful inside my heart that confirmed and affirmed the gift that God had put in me that I have now spent my entire adult life doing. And I thank God for him because he could see something I couldn't see. And so this morning, as your pastor, I just want to come along beside you and put my hand on your shoulder, and I want to look you in the eye, and I want to say to you, God has put incredible gifts inside you. And I want to confirm that, and I want to affirm that. I don't know what all of them are, but as surely as the sun rose this morning, and boy, did it rise because it's hot. God has put spiritual gifts inside you and I promise the secret and the key to you living a passionate life of impact is found in that spiritual gift or those gifts. And so I want to encourage you this morning if you don't know what they are let us help you. Take our assessment. Go online. Take our assessment. Go to next steps. Today, as you saw probably when you came in in the foyer, we have our fall ministry launch. And and look, uh, we've got 19 ministries. Now, now I want to share something with you, okay? About four years ago, or, or maybe more, we made a decision in our church. And here was our decision. Never again are we ever going to try to take a willing person and put them into a ministry role just because they're willing. No more. As best as we know how, and we're not perfect at it, but we're learning and we're growing and we're getting better every year at it. We want to find the gift that God has put in somebody. And we want to match that gift with an area that they can make an impact and they can make a difference because it makes them stronger and it makes the church stronger and it makes the impact on the world stronger. And so I want you to know when I say we have 19 ministries, we don't have 19 ministries where we're just struggling and suffering and we have holes and we're trying to fill them. We made a decision four years ago. We're done with that. And I can't even tell you the joy that's been released in this church because the number of people like the soprano that sings on stage who says, thank you for helping me find the gift that God put in me. I do do it with such joy. And I know I'm making a difference. So we have have 19, 19 areas. We have these little cards out in the foyer. You can go and look at them. Four areas, family, hospitality, connect, and, and production. Here's all you do. 
all ministry team leaders are all out there. Some of them have been kind of sneaking out. They're there. They're ready. They, they want to talk to you. All you do is look at the area and you say, I've done that before, or I think I might be good at that, or I have a passion or an interest there. That's a good place to start. Maybe you know your spiritual gifts, and you say, I could see how my gift could be used there. All you do is go and talk to the person, and we have these little cards hung on the, on the wall at that area. You just take one of the cards, fill it up, put it in the bucket. If you forget everything else I just said, we have people out there who can help you through every step of it. What I want to do this morning is I want to pray for you, and I want to pray for us. Would you stand with me? Because God has a dream over this church, and he has a dream over your life. And it is that you would find the power of God that he put in your life. You would find that gift. And when you find that gift, not only will impact be released from your life, passion will be released from your life. And you live a life of greater purpose. So would you just close your eyes for a minute? And I just want to pray for you. And then we're going we're gonna to be dismissed. And, uh, and we're going to go. Holy Spirit, I I thank you today that you've put gifts inside every Christian in this church. Everybody, every child, every adult, every young person, every senior adult, every Christian in this church has a spiritual gift. Lord, I thank you for that. And I pray for the one whose, whose fire has gone out. Lord, that today that you would that you would reignite that by your spirit, you would let a spark start today in the heart. And Lord, for that one who's, who's had a, who has a little fire going, but it's been smothered by the circumstances of life or, or, the, or, or the, the lies or the, the busyness of the culture, God, I pray today that you would just let your spirit start to peel the layers back off of those things. And Lord, for those who have a little ember, it's just about to go out. God, I pray your spirit would inspire them today to fan that ember. That they would pick the fan up and start waving it. And Lord, for those who have a little fire going, a little ember burning, God, I pray that you would, that you would inspire them to fan that little fire and it would become a roaring flame of passion for you. God, I pray today that your spirit would come and do inside our hearts what only you can do. Lord, we want to be the church that you want us to be. We want to be the impact that you want us to be. We want to be Jesus strong. Come on, would you just just pray that with me in your own way, Lord? I want to be Jesus strong. Come on and just pray that. God, I want to be Jesus strong. I want to be the person you want me to be. I want to live with the passion and the purpose and the desire that you put inside me. So God, stir up in me today and do what only you can do. In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name. Hey, I'm so glad you're here today. I want to just uh, dismiss you and let you make your way to the foyer And a lot of folks are there that'd love to talk to you and meet you. If you don't know what your gift is, you don't have an area, there's somebody that can help you in the foyer. God bless you. Thanks for coming today.